0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. 1-1 one, one pitch. Fastball pulled and
1: toward the Get up, Bob. Get up, Get
0: out! Get out of here. Get Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league.
1: Where fantasy becomes reality.
2: Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Big day for the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Special guest Ellen Adair is back. And Chris is here. Chris wasn't here the last time we had Ellen on. So Chris, this is Ellen. Ellen, this is Chris. How about that?
1: Lovely to meet you, Ellen. I I do appreciate Adam giving me the special guest and Chris is here. (laughs) That feels appropriate. It was intentional. <laughs>
0: not at all. Not in the least. I mean, Chris and I, we already play in, in Scott White's 2014 Dynasty League. So, we, you know, we're sort of acquainted in some ways. But this is our first time actually talking to each other in yes. person. I had yes.
2: forgotten about that. Okay. Well.
0: Both both in the amazing lockdown of New York City right now. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy times.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You guys are definitely not going to be going out for drinks or anything like that. I, I know that. Uh, <laughs> there will just This will be the only meeting. Uh, for a few months, perhaps. Um, but yes, how 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 are you doing? First of all, Ellen is second time on the show. Big fantasy baseball player, huge baseball fan, also an actress. Uh, and we talk about Homeland a lot on the show. You may have seen her in Homeland at Billions, one of my favorite shows, and uh, she's she's awesome. So how how are you doing? How's how's quarantine life? I'm,
0: you know, I'm fine. It's the end times, but I'm personally doing okay. I'm kind of just staying at home and living my best life, <laughs> yeah. working on the things that I want to work on. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty good. I feel like the only thing for me right now is that I'm very nervous about the introduction that you gave me yesterday. I feel like you hyped me way too much. And I <laughs> for people uh, you know who didn't listen to the December podcast, or maybe even who did, I kind of feel like I'm like watching the movie that won the Academy Award after it won the Academy Award. And you're Mm -hmm. like, all right, impress me, Oscar winner. And, (laughs) you know, you never like the movie that much. Yeah, that's how I
3: always watch those movies.
0: I I mean, I've usually seen them beforehand. And so lots of times I have opinions about it. And I'm like, oh, this movie shouldn't have won the Oscar anyway. But if I watch something after it's won an award, like I it's almost like I can't enjoy it.
1: Well, that's I, exactly I, I what have... I felt about Parasite. I was like, really? Yeah, but Adam, you have famously horrible opinions about things. Well, Parasite was amazing. <laughs> no, it wasn't.
0: It was yes, not it was. amazing. Parasite was incredible. It I was mean, so I w- saw it long before it won the Academy Award, but yeah. It, it was, was fine.
2: It was fine, but it was, you know, Academy Award. Did, did, you, see, did you see Uncut Gems, Ellen? I did not. Why did anybody no. see Uncut Gems? I was... I have seen the memes.
0: Person. <laughs> yeah. Well, you and Chris
2: have, have more in common than I thought, bad movie <laughs> taste apparently. Uh, I uh, I have
3: uh, I I like the, that Ellen's coming on here with with the dose of modesty because I have new insights since the last time she was on. We had our uh, our uh, free agent auction in the 24 team dynasty league in February. Hopefully we'll get a chance to see how uh, those results turn out later but she was a mess during that auction she was a stressed mess during that <laughs> auction she felt like she messed it up royally she was she was she was she in did. misery in the chat room like I, I wasn't hearing her voice i wasn't seeing her face but like there was a lot of like groaning going on in the chat room
0: yeah well the strange thing is that like Absolutely nothing in my life gives me as much anxiety as a, as a fantasy baseball draft or auction. Mm-hmm. I become like another person, like, you know being on set of a major television show. I mean, that's my job. So like, it just brings me joy. It doesn't stress me out. Like being on MLB network is not as stressful for me as a fantasy baseball draft. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, my husband, uh, we had a draft earlier this week and he just had to put up with me. I'm like a mess the whole day during the, during the draft. I'm like definitely catastrophizing everything. Yeah. So yeah, that was that just, was it. I mean, Although I did make some really big mistakes in you made that the classic auction. One, right? I made the you, classic one and yeah, I avoided it last year, which was my first time ever being in an auction. And I was like, make sure that you don't, you know, run out and then just suddenly have three dollars for your last three players. And then that's exactly yeah. what I did this year. It's like I forgot about that thing.
3: <laughs> Nothing but one dollar oh, bids. Classic, terrible. classic mistake.
0: Yeah. And actually it was Chris Towers who kept on sniping me for all that. I was like, maybe I'll get this oh. guy for a dollar. And I was like, Nope, Chris Towers is gonna get him for two. Oh,
1: yeah. My my oh. team in that I mean I took over a team like I think this is my fifth season in this league or fourth. And I took over a team for someone and it needed a full teardown and I just don't have the patience for it. I'm a little too ADHD to do like a full <laughs> teardown and then have to wait for like reaping the rewards of it. And so I've just been trying to cobble together a team that can sneak into the playoffs. And I think I've made the playoffs two out of three years, and I just missed it in the other one. So it's worked out okay. It's just every single year I have gigantic holes in my roster.
3: Yeah, your, your team's not looking so hot this year, bud. <laughs> Looks great. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. You're, you're hoping this one, we punt on this one.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is a good season not to have a good team, Chris. Uh, well, well played. Okay, so we want to hear from Ellen. Players she likes, players she doesn't like this this season. I think she probably wants to weigh in on the fictional baseball players. I hope you enjoyed that. Which team do you think won? I'm getting a lot more support than I thought I was going to get. I think I'm the leader right now. It's ludicrous.
1: It's only because you picked, like, good movies. Yeah. And people are just like, well, I like The Natural. But, like, first off, I just want to point out, everyone hates Giancarlo Stanton this year for fantasy baseball but we're gonna we're gonna applaud Adam for picking Roy Hobbs who plays a single half season gets <laughs> shot and then I believe he doesn't even play in the last game of the season or he doesn't play in the playoffs because he's <laughs> injured you're gonna tell me you like Roy Hobbs but not Giancarlo Stan uh, inconsistent I, I, from everyone well, well, well
3: the the one that kept surprising me was how everybody was like, Benny the Jet has to be the first overall pick from the Sandlot. We don't actually know anything about him,
2: well, except Scott, that he
3: he gets I, around the bases,
2: right? He's the I have the best players from the Women's League. I have the best player from the Sandlot. I have the best player in baseball history in Steve, Nebraska. <laughs> So I I, that's why I think people really liked my team because I have the and I have Kelly Leak the best little league player ever. Marla
1: Hooch quits mid season, and then Roy Hobbs picks up where she left off.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ellen, um, yeah. What what, did you enjoy? Did you enjoy that draft?
0: I did. I did. I enjoyed it very much. I I don't know. There were there were players that I would have wanted to draft on everybody's team, and so. I, I don't know that I came out with definitely who had won.
2: Well, who do, who would you have drafted? Who did we miss?
0: Oh, okay. Um, who did you miss? So there were there were plenty of my favorite players that uh, that you guys uh did draft. Um Dottie Hinson is one of my all time favorite favorites, clearly one of the best. Mm -hmm. Um Billy Chappell, I would have taken him way earlier than the last round. Um I love that when he (laughs) sees the memory of his parents while he's pitching, they look exactly like Star Wars ghosts. It really (laughs) cracks me up. Um and Henry Rowengardner, he was on your team, Adam, right? Of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he does look like you but he also (laughs) looks like Jack Flaherty. Um does like he? that kid looks more high to me he does. Do I look he like looks Jack more Flaherty? like Jack Flaherty than the actual kid as a grown up does? Like Google that actor now and look at him and you're like, no no, I'd more believe that he grew up to be Jack Flaherty than uh who he actually grew so up
3: to, to be. So today he looks like Jack Flaherty, is what you're saying.
0: He looks no, like no. he could grow up to be Jack Flaherty, oh, is okay. what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and uh and Chris, I think one of your reserve picks was one of my all-time favorites, uh, Henry Scrimshander. Um, the love yes. that I bear for Henry Scrimshander knows no bounds. I love him. Who's I love that? him so much. Who's an um, Incredible book. One of my all-time favorites. Yeah. Um, so there are a few guys that you people people that you didn't draft that I would have draft drafted. Um, one of them is Crash Davis. I don't understand how Crash Davis was on nobody's list. I know, Chris, you said you didn't want to take minor leaguers, but you also <laughs> wanted to take a college player and a rabbit and a dog, so I think Crash <laughs> Davis is fair. Um, so they were they were also doing a, a draft of fictional players on the podcast, which is, uh, for people who don't know it, it's a Joe Posnanski and Mike Shures podcast um, that I'm an occasional co-host on, on The Athletic. and. Um, I think it was Joe who pointed out that crash Davis is a switch hitting catcher with power and good defense. So how is he not in the major leagues in the 1980s when there were catchers in the majors who hit like one home run for an entire season? Mm. Um, I also want to take this opportunity to just give a shout out to my dad. Um, it's his birthday today cool. and the scene in Bull Durham where they're talking about what to get Millie and Jimmy for their wedding present out on the mound is his favorite scene in a baseball movie of all time. So I definitely it, need to sure.
2: watch that movie again. I, I only saw it once probably 20 years ago or something like that. It was very good. Much better. I actually experience. haven't seen it before. Oh, it's really oh good. Oh my
0: God. How I know. It's the one. Yeah, that's
2: good. Know. Well, it's not better than Major League. Easy now. Easy, Ellen.
0: <laughs> I, I think it's better than Major League, but we've already established that I have poor taste in films. So.
2: <laughs> hey, what do you know? All I,
0: mean, right. I
3: intentionally skipped Crash Davis because we already know the guy couldn't break through into the majors. So, I mean, maybe he should have. But...
0: Yeah, but I feel like if you're drafting people from the sandlot, you can also draft Crash <laughs> but Davis. we know Benny but he was and in the Major.
1: Rodriguez he had a it. long professional baseball career. Right. Yeah, that's right. Right. Oh, oh, what now?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So another player that you guys didn't mention that I would have drafted was um, Ginny Baker, who was the lead on Uh, the short-lived Fox show pitch as the first female player in the majors. So I just have to love her. And she was supposed to have a devastating screwball. um, And I was really sad that the show was canceled. Really good show. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Ellen and I are simpatico (laughs) on our pop culture (laughs) taste, clearly.
0: That was a great show. I
1: miss it. I miss it greatly.
0: I also really liked Mark Paul Gossler. He was amazing. I'm sure he was really good. He looked like Mike Piazza. Yeah, he kind of (laughs) did. You know, there's a world in which if I were just drafting fictional baseball players that I love, I could do a like all catcher. Uh, <laughs> draft.
3: There are a but lot of like, catchers.
0: There's a lot of great catcher players, mm, yeah.
3: including um, Robbie Belmont, who I, I'm sad. Yes. Nobody, nobody, yeah, got that, that one. Nobody, I nobody's have no idea. Him. You Google his name and there's like less than 200 results. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good series. Gary Carter's iron mask. I loved it when
2: I was 10. Wow. <laughs> I have just no idea what you guys are talking about. Okay, so let's uh that can was cla- I have one oh, name yes. mention one more. Yes, please, please.
0: Yeah. Um uh another player is uh Hugh Papato Chance from the Brothers K, which is along with The Art of Fielding, one of my all-time favorite books. Um it's about more than baseball, but so is The Art of Fielding. Anyway, Hugh Chance's baseball career gets sidetracked because of an injury at the paper mill where he works. Um but and I don't want to spoil it. Well, okay, I'll spoil it a little bit, but through hard work and perseverance and a surgery repla- replacing part of his finger with part of his toe, he at least gets to pitch in the minor leagues and it's a really good book. You so, love minor leaguers. I guess I don't know. I guess <laughs> I like do. the underdog. I, and part of it is just <laughs> like they're as as characters, they're just so compelling. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're, have, they're
1: so relatable. That's another one I have somewhere but I haven't read it yet.
0: Oh, you have such a wonderful time of plague treat ahead of you, Chris Towers. Yeah, it is a wonderful book.
2: When are you going to make time to do that with with our busy schedules these days? Right. (laughs) Well, Ellen, uh, let's hear. Let's talk fantasy baseball here, and give me three players that you like this year. You know more than most people.
0: Okay, so. When when you told me who to pick, you said three players that I love.
2: I so love. I thought
0: hard about this, about like, who do I really love? And there's some kind of later round players that I love, but we're actually going to get to talk about them later when we're sort of doing our ADP review. So I'm going to pick a couple of not super early rounders because like, you know, it's not hard to go out on a limb and be like, I love Trey Turner, like whatever. So kind of like...
3: Yeah, Chris. Mid-
0: mid early rounders. Um, So, and I'm, you know, going to leave off uh, some of the players that you guys regularly wax poetic about, like, you know, Mark Hanna, JD Davis and the Pirates pitchers. (laughs) Um, So I love Matt Olson. He's one of my favorite players. And I actually have a poem that I wrote about him and Matt Chapman that I would love to read at the end of the podcast if we have time. (laughs) Um, Of course. I have one league in which I have owned Matt Olson since he came up and I have kept on redrafting him every year, even as his his ADP has climbed. Um, But I am including him on the players that I love to the benefit of all, because I still think he's a good value in drafts where he's going. Um, I personally don't know what they're going to do with the baseball, uh, given the reports from, from Eflin and Tanaka that the pit, that the baseball feels different from it did what it did last year. So I want to get a legit power hitter on my team, no matter what the ball does. And Matt Olson falls in a nice place to do that if you focused on steals and pitching in the early rounds. So I think it's totally possible that Matt Olson and Pete Alonso's final lines don't look that different and you're getting him 20 to 25 spots later. Um, so if we had a full season, I'd put Olsen in the like 40 homer range and Alonso probably above that, but that's still within the like, who knows what could happen range. Um, the thing to know about Olsen is that he's less good against lefties. If you're in some sort of like daily, um, lineup changing league and want to swap him out, but like, I don't know who you're going to get, who you're going to swap him out for. So I think he's a good, good bet all around.
2: Yeah. His batting average lower against lefties, but still hit for a lot of power against lefties. Same problem at home last year anyway, and both years actually, he's hit 236 and 227 in his last two seasons at home. And I do wonder if struggles against lefty, struggles against struggles at home, at least in terms of batting average, just sort of make it impossible for him to hit. You know, he hit 267 last year, 247, 2018, 2017, 259. You know, I I do. We, I think we all like Matt Olson, but should we just at least establish if you're in a Roto league, he's probably going to be a batting average
1: problem. I don't love
3: Matt Olson.
0: You no. don't. Oh,
3: Chris. I You well, guys are on the same page pop culturally, but not with baseball players.
0: Yeah, My, we're going to find that more later on too. <laughs>
1: it's just it comes to <laughs> a lot of what I've said about Pete Alonso where there are just players who can do almost exactly what I expect Matt Olson to do for much cheaper. Uh, like, I, I would expect Miguel Sano to put up very similar numbers. I wouldn't be surprised if Fran Reyes put up very similar numbers. And so that's one. It's just the type of player. The, like, all power, no batting average, no steals guys. I just, I want to take the last couple of them, not well, the first few. <clears throat>
0: I think part of my love for Maddles and obviously I'm just biased and I just love him at this point but is is that I actually think that like first base is kind of actually sneaky shallow so I would rather get a first baseman kind of early not go, sort of go beyond I mean there's Carlos Santana is hanging out there and he's great but I I feel like I'm always at risk for being like oh I'll just wait and take Carlos Santana and then if somebody else takes Carlos Santana at that point then I'm really screwed
3: yeah Okay. I, I mean there there is a difference between Olsen and the two you mentioned, Chris Sano and 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 Fremil Reyes. Those two haven't haven't held down a full-time role for more than half a season yet. And they strike out a lot more. I, Olsen's expected batting average last year was 276. So,
1: yeah, but I think given that he struggles against lefties, given that he's susceptible to being shifted and giving that he plays in a really tough ballpark, I would I would expect him to underperform.
3: His his actual batting average was two sixty-seven. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like he was a liability. It was he was just kind of normal. So for
1: me, it, it's also I just have higher expectations for both Reyes and Sano than I think the the general consensus does. That's fine.
0: Player number two, Ellen. Who do you love? Who do you love? Um, So I also just love Noah Syndergaard, and also Uh I always have. Obviously, the skill set is just otherworldly. You know, the ACES metric that you guys talked about, um, he, he ranks definitely lower this year, but he was basically at the top of the list last year based on what he did in 2017 and 2018, and those skills are still there. I feel like the potential is always there for him to have the like 270 ERA that he did in 2016 and the 1.05 whip that he did in 2015 and 2017. So I almost feel like we can look at last year. Like that was his floor um, barring injury, of course. And he still gave you 202 strikeouts last year. So like, that's a pretty good floor. Um, I also think that there's hope that the new pitching coach for the Mets, uh, Jeremy Hefner might be able to help him kind of improve his way to his former glory. Uh, There were reports that he was experimenting with throwing his slider at more like 86 to 88 miles an hour in spring training with more downward break, just so that there's more separation from his two fastballs. Um, Just because for those of you who don't have like a needlepoint sampler at home with Syndergaard's pitch velocity like I do, Mm -hmm. it was 92, (laughs) 93 in 2018 and like 89, 90 last year. So I think that some of the issue last year was his slider getting caught out over the plate. And with this kind of velocity difference and also um, if it breaks more, that might happen less. Also sort of creates another velocity tier from his changeup, which he was starting to use more and was actually really effective for him last year. So anyway, I'd take the ADP discount over what it's been in the past, particularly if you can pair him with another ace that's a little bit more steady.
2: Would you rather have Noah Syndergaard or you, Darvish?
0: Oh, I think maybe still you Darvish there.
2: Oh, interesting. Okay.
0: But it's a it they're they're about the same. It's kind of like I'd like to take them in the same round range and if somebody takes you darvish, then I'm okay taking Syndergaard in the same place.
2: Any objections to I think we all like you I think we all like
1: uh Noah Syndergaard, right?
0: I had no idea
1: Jeremy Hefner was the Met's pitching coach. There you go. That's that's, that's my I, I love Noah Syndergaard. I'm drafting him a ton. Uh, it's I love taking guys on the downswing of their uh, career arcs because I don't believe Noah Syndergaard is just finished as a, as a very good
2: pitcher. Same. Okay. And third player.
0: Um, so trying to go, uh, out in ADP just a little bit, but somebody that I still really like have so many hearts for, um, is Ramon Laureano, uh, and I literally just realized that I picked another's A's player, and I'm sorry, but I just oh, love man. Him. <laughs> Can we talk oh, about man.
2: this? I told you, you cannot pick two teams, two players from the same American League West team. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> I didn't
3: know your your Philly fanship goes all the way back to the Athletics. Yes, that's, that's old school.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it does. It's really about this group of guys. I just love the A's so much. Um. <laughs> anyway, so uh, last year, uh. Lazer Ramon hit 24 homers and 13 steals in just 124 games with a 288 batting average. And his Babip was high, but it's usually been in the 350 to 400 range in the rest of his brief major and longer minor league career. So it actually might not regress much. Um, roster resource on FanGraphs also has him currently batting second. So he usually batted seventh or eighth last year, which obviously if he was batting higher in the order, it would increase his his runs in RSBI. Um, and it might also give him more chances to steal. He's not like a super speedster. Um, I had this here. Oh, uh, just 84th percentile sprint speed, um, which is sort of middle of the pack for a center fielder. Uh, But he was generally better in the second half than the first half, um, even including when he came back from his shin injury, Um, which even though I know that full season statistics are more predictive than half season statistics, I still prefer to see that rather than the reverse.
2: Yeah. And actually, also on the lineup spot thing, he batted fifth 26 times last year, and he only stole one base. So if he had not been hitting in the middle of the order for those 26 games, his stolen base rate might be much higher than it was 13 steals in 123 games in the minors. One year, Ramon Laureano stole 43 bases in 116 games in 2016. So perhaps there is more Whew. potential there. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. And I don't know. I, I don't love, I, I don't love Laureano, I guess. Uh, fairly, fairly pricey. You think he's a top 100 pick. Let me just double check on that.
0: I think you can get him like around 100. Oh, yeah. 103,
2: 105, somewhere yeah. like
0: that. Yeah.
3: I don't think there's much upside for him to outperform his draft position. I guess is my my one gripe with Loriano. Like I I think he's a handy handy player. If you're especially if you're talking about traditional five by five scoring, I mean he's going to be some small benefit in batting average, some small benefit in stolen bases. And if you're at that point in the draft and you don't and and you really need help there, that's pretty handy. But I I don't know that. Like the case of like a Miguel Sano, where he could lead the majors in home runs this year, and then it's obviously a total steal where you get him. I don't foresee that kind of scenario for Loriano. I do like, however, Ellen, how you uh, you referred to them as R'sbi, yeah, which hate, at first I, I thought was that. a misspeak, but then that. it took me like a half second to process it. Ah, she did that on
2: purpose. I, it's I, correct. I felt it's like a troll. It felt like a troll job, to be quite honest. With I you. mean, like... it,
1: it's correct. <laughs> It's not. I correct. enjoy saying RSBI. <laughs> the runs are being batted in, not the ins. Yeah. There has to be an example that that I that I will
2: think of that will refute this RSBI thing. It's just it's offensive. <laughs> okay. Well, so no, you can just go with RBI. RBIs, they're things. No RBI. They're RBIs. I, RBI. I
3: just go with the company line. RBI is both singular and plural. There are. And yeah, it's I don't before. have to think about it. That's what CBS handbook says.
2: I've proven this. I've proven you guys wrong so many times (laughs) that I can't do it anymore. So, Ellen likes Noah Syndergaard, Matt Olson, and Ramon Laureano more than most around the industry. And if Syndergaard got traded to the A's, would you switch your allegiance? Would you go from being a Phillies fan to an A's fan? Would that just put the A's over the top?
0: No. The Phillies are my life partner. I will love the Phillies the most, always, no matter what.
2: Okay. Where, was Joe Girardi the manager when we last spoke? That happened?
0: Uh, sorry, say that one more was time. Was
2: Joe Girardi the manager when we last spoke? I don't remember yes. the timeline. He
1: was? Okay.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. we so had, he's been got, the manager. Didi as well, so we, we oh, kind of about that. That's right. Congratulations. Yeah.
1: He's been the manager of three of the four favorite teams in this podcast right now. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Except Chris That's isn't true. really a Marlins fan, if I must say. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> it just seemed mean.
2: Okay, let's go to players. Ellen is avoiding three of them. Go for it.
0: All right. Um, I'm also going to try to name somebody other than Manny Machado or Madison Um, But this is a lot harder for me because usually I'm avoiding because of a cost rather than because of a player themselves, unless it's to the point of like, yeah, like nobody else is drafting Jake Arrieta either. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I strongly prefer when deciding between two players to not draft a player who has beaten another person, uh, their partner. But that's not strictly advice. That's just a personal preference. Anyway. Um All this said, uh, Chris Towers and I disagree about, uh, one, John Carlos Stanton. Um, I I just I still worry that he could miss so much time. And it's earlier in the draft than I like to take that much of an injury risk. I know that you're getting a huge discount and there's probably a point when I would take him. But I don't think that that is ever going to happen in a draft that I'm in. Um, He's by the way
2: healthy right now, ready to go. If the season were starting today, apparently he'd be playing. So, I think it, so uh let's say Ramon Laureano and Giancarlo Stanton are both on the board. Is, does it come down to a matter of need for you, Ellen, or is right. it just like I'm definitely taking Laureano?
0: Um, probably a matter of need. Yeah, okay. about what you know the the sort of the makeup of my team.
3: Right. Are they going in the same range? Stanton's going a lot earlier, right? I don't know. I,
2: I, I don't know what to make of the.
3: I guess ADP's ADP is kind of wonky right now because...
2: Yeah, you know what? Considering he's not injured anymore, it won't even be close. Stanton will go... he was like...
1: going in the 40 range before the injury. I don't think he'll end up that high. I felt like
2: he was more of like a 60, like 50 to 60, but fair enough.
0: I feel like in the drafts that I have done, he has gone in the like 60 range to my yeah. memory. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, Chris, do you want to you fight?
1: I mean, it's... If you can get him in the sixty range, it just it feels like stealing to me. You know, the the two the last two times we've seen him healthy, he's been the number two hitter and then the number twenty two hitter, and I just don't see much reason to think that his floor is much lower than that when he's healthy. Now, of course, Giancarlo Stanton is not often healthy, although he didn't miss a single game because of injury in two thousand seventeen or eighteen. I'd like to point that out. Uh, so for me, it's just a question of can somebody in that range give you the same type of realistic upside that Giancarlo Stanton can? And I just don't think that's the case. You know, if he's going in the sixty or seventy range, and I'm actually trying to look up what it is since like the beginning of March on NFBC because yeah, you know, if it's if it's around where Matt Olson is going. I just kind of feel like the obvious answer is Stanton.
0: Burn. Okay. I would just rather have Matt Olson there, yeah.
1: Yeah, was well, 83rd in NFBC ADP since uh, the start of March. So the last 24 days, that's two picks ahead of Jorge Soler, three picks ahead of Joey Gallup. Give me Giancarlo Stanton over both of those guys. Okay. Is, is your expected outcome for Stanton that much higher than...
3: Olsen, provided they both have good health? I mean, you're talking about mid-40s home runs probably with a two sixty five ish batting average. I, just I guess maybe the
1: Yankees have a better lineup. But. Well, I just don't expect mid-40s home runs for Matt Olson. I think that's closer to the ceiling. Like, we saw a full season of him in 2018 where he hit 29 home runs.
3: I'll just point out Stan's only had two forty homer seasons ever. This
1: right, but he's time. been on... He's that's an infinite number more than Matt Olson has had. Okay. And he's been on a 40 homer pace. I would looking at it, I would say at least three other seasons,
3: two of the two of the three years Olsen's played though. He has been too. just, Oh, you know what? It's actually only been one 40 homer season for Stan. I
2: gave him too much credit. You it was John almost Carlos a
3: 60 Stanton. homer season, but it, yeah, it was...
2: All right, Scott. <laughs> so Matt, Matt Olson and John Carlos Stanton are staring right at you. Who do you take?
3: I, I I'm with Ellen I'm taking Olsen. Uh, he's he's less scary than me,
1: but just for the record, Matt Olsen's going 49th overall in the yeah. month of March. So, you, you know.
3: know, I yeah. I probably would not take him 49th, but I I have there have been occasions where Olsen has fallen to a point where I'd take him, not so with Stanton, at least not except during that tiny period when he was injured.
0: When I drafted Olsen earlier this week, I got him with pick 58. So I feel better about that than yeah. 49th.
2: Yeah. Okay, Ellen, you are back on the clock. Your second player you're avoiding.
0: Uh, okay. Uh, hi, Chris Towers. I'm probably not <laughs> drafting Corey Kluber. Um, I know he's been discussed a lot <laughs> Me on this too. podcast.
2: I want nothing to do with Corey Kluber.
0: Um, But my concern is partly yes, that he wasn't good the last time he pitched. And like his bad fastball, which... Uh, Lord almighty, it has a minus 77.7 aggregated pitch value. Um, But secondly, it's also to me, and maybe this is dumb, that the Indians made that trade. Okay, I know it's the Indians, but if anybody thought that he was going to be an ace again, Wouldn't somebody, wouldn't any team have offered a little bit more for him? And if the Indians thought that he could be an ace again, would they have made that trade? Or wouldn't they have been like, oh, we can get more trade value for him once he comes back and everybody sees that he's an ace, and then we'll get him for something more than what they ended up getting him for. So that just, that has me sort of spooked. Um, So yeah, I'm out on Kluber.
1: I actually think that's a good point. It's a great point. Um, I
0: made a good point. A oh,
1: great point. You've made several good points, uh, <laughs> but no. F- for me, I think part of it, a, a huge part of it, is just the Indians were seemingly under a a mandate from ownership to trade him at whatever the cost. They didn't really seem to care what they got back, and you know they do seem to like Emmanuel Clace. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. Um, I like class A.
3: Uh, I yeah that's where he started last year
1: but you know it was a <laughs> it was a bad return it was a salary dump i think um I, I definitely have concerns about Corey kluber and in the range he's going like i'd rather have sunny gray at 99th overall in the month of march than Corey kluber at 97th but i'd rather have you know how much i love frankie montas i'd rather take the chance on Corey kluber in that range than frankie montas
3: I'm torn between those two viewpoints because it does seem, it it was startling how little the Indians got for him, uh, considering how many teams must have needed a high-end innings eater. Even if you're just looking at it from an innings eater perspective, it's not like he was making a ton of money. Um, So it's, but at the same time, like what is our evidence that he's not good anymore? Just last April, like that's not enough evidence for me. Like half of the aces in baseball struggled last April. They were adjusting to a new seam height. And like three of the previous four years, Corey Kluber, it was, I think it was even longer than that. He was amazingly consistent in how he finished, you know, how he was in Cy Young contention year after year after year. And like, I guess I'm, I guess I'm more like Ellen, where I'm just, I'm just scared enough that I'd rather someone else take the chance. But at the same time, I recognize, like, it could be a steal where Corey Kluber's going.
2: Okay. 2018, he was uh, number three in points, number six in Roto. 2017, he was the number one pitcher. 2016, he was eighth in points, seventh in Roto. So you're talking three straight years as a top eight pitcher. And then, obviously, not so good in 2019. 34 years old. Four of
3: the five years leading up to last year, he was a top three Cy Young finisher. That's amazing. Very
2: impressive. Okay, Ellen, you've given us so far Giancarlo Stanton, Corey Kluber, and who else that Chris likes?
0: Um. Oh, I don't know if Chris <laughs> likes this player. Um. Uh, Joey Votto. Uh, his stats just continued to plummet last year. and I'm <laughs> Chris
1: kind of likes Joey Votto.
0: Joey Votto is,
1: like, one of my five favorite baseball players ever.
3: Beer so, animal.
0: Oh. I'll
1: see you guys later. I'm going to log off.
0: (laughs) In all of these cases, I actually like these players and I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I don't know. It could just be the kind of like fantasy player that I am. It's like, I'm happier to be proven wrong seeing someone else get the benefit than I am seeing my worst fears confirmed on my own team.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I totally get that. I, it's like, uh, right. Oh, yes, I agree. I'd rather, um, you you can have you have Joey Votto. I just don't want him to sink my team. Yeah. Now he's yeah. So he goes pretty late, so it's not that much of an investment. But
0: uh, it's got, true. But I'm just not even in on him at the point where he's because I feel like I feel like the range where he's going is sort of like I don't know. Maybe he'll be Joey Votto again, and I just kind of don't think that he'll be Joey Votto again.
1: Chris, do you think he'll be Joey Votto again? I would really love it if he was Joey Votto again, but I find when I'm in the late rounds uh, of my draft, I just there are other guys who I'd rather take the chance on uh, figuring out their upside than than Joey Votto, and maybe that's a bit of like the mystery box versus boat thing, where you know we know what Joey Votto can be, but you start looking at guys in the later rounds, and you can talk yourself into becoming them becoming. A lot more than what you might expect from Joey Votto. Uh, Act it I, out,
3: Chris. Do your, do your no, usual you? No, thing. no,
1: no. <laughs> no, please do But I just... <laughs> nothing would make me happier than a Joey Votto bounce back. Hey, Alan, are you a Family Guy fan? Um. Yeah. Do you remember the Randy Newman scene?
0: I, I don't. Know. I'm not enough of a fan, I guess, All to right. remember that.
2: Scott didn't remember it either. Cause we were playing the Randy Newman song yesterday. It was
1: very early on. Yeah. I think it's show. season It was like one or two. Fourth episode.
2: Oh it, was, oh, it was that early, huh? Okay. Yeah. It was definitely season one. It was the apocalypse episode. Yeah. It was fat man That's with This kid's dog. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> um, okay. Sorry. To get off track there. So Stanton, Kluber, and Votto on the avoid list for Ellen. Oh, good stuff! Good stuff. So you're doing a draft. Uh, you're doing drafts. You said you were doing one earlier this week, right? Where you took Matt Olson, fifteen yes. or something. Yeah. So you're still drafting.
0: Yeah, that the the commissioner of that league was like, yeah, well, you know, what else are we doing? Let's go ahead and draft. So I've I've just I've had two leagues where I've drafted already, and two leagues that are postponing.
2: If you were the commissioner of a league, when would that you, is right? When would you draft? If you were a commissioner.
0: Uh, In the league where I am a co-commissioner, I have postponed the draft. I think I would I I would go ahead and wait until it's sort of like this similar point in whatever kind of spring training type ramp up um, that they end up having. And by the way, I just want to say, Chris Towers, your joke about the inflation for uh, the Canadian (laughs) spring training was a totally (laughs) underrated joke. Like it destroyed me. (laughs) yesterday i really loved that joke yeah thank you And
1: i was looking up uh some of the kind of internal data that we have and it looks like roughly 50 percent of the leagues have drafted so far and something like 45 percent are just in limbo just not scheduled right now so that kind of tells you where people are at i think nearly all like we, we still had quite a few drafts last weekend um but, you know, in normal circumstances, we would probably see about 25 to 30% of our total drafts happen last Saturday and Sunday. This season, it was maybe 10% total. So people are postponing their drafts, and I think that's the right call.
2: Yeah, but Scott would be absolutely up in arms if any drafts that had already been done were canceled.
3: Oh, there. There is the threat of that happening in a startup, a dynasty startup, 24 teams. It's actually a score sheet league, so a sim league, but it plays out in real time like it sims the previous week results uh, the following week. And there's already a campaign going among some of the owners there to redo the entire draft that took us like two months to complete. And it's 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 a dynasty league. You're keeping more than half of your roster in a 24 team league. And this was the league where I started with eight pitchers. Like so I had it set up exactly how I wanted it to be. If they if they succeed in their efforts to redo this draft, I I don't like I I think it's going to be aggravating enough that I just think I'll pass on the league. Like it's wow. just I I would just be I would just always resent that league for doing that, and who needs the resentment? I can get I can jump in any league I want whenever. You know, <laughs> I'm White. Who wants piece of me? That is not a serious, especially in a dynasty format. I where agree. Like, you're, you're not building your team for just the upcoming year anyway.
2: Yeah, yeah, the dynasty thing's kind of different. But if I were doing a redraft league and, and we had already drafted and and they wanted to do it over, I think I'd be okay with that because I'd be annoyed if. If I passed on Justin Verlander for five rounds, you know, and then somebody got yeah, him, and
3: but like everybody was in that same position, it would still bother me. I, I'm not saying I'd quit the league over that, but it would. I would constantly be comparing my new team to my old team, and you gotta get over that. That's I think just the nature of of me <laughs> would would prefer the old. Well, team. Well, we need
2: to make a better Scott White. I think like you gotta. Like, <laughs> we gotta talk this out, man. You that's. What's in the past? What's done is done. But if you're happy with it, and you feel like
3: if you invested a certain amount of yourself in something, and then developed an investment in this team, and and it all coming together in this way that felt so perfect. Do it again.
2: Like, you can do it again. <sighs> I
0: I'm mean, with Scott like, on a, this. you're with Scott. And- Yeah, I'm with Scott on this, and I also want to say that I think the most important takeaway from all of this is that Scott's catchphrase from now on should be, I'm Scott White. I can jump into any team, any (laughs) league I want. Yeah, really good.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) All right, the other thing we're going to do today is take a look at ADP from rounds 13 through 15. That's uh, starting with pick 145 on Fantasy Pros. Chris,
1: are you prepared for this, the best and the worst picks? Uh, Let me just click a link real quick. (laughs) All right, I clicked the link. (laughs) Okay, good. So, starting with
2: uh, Kyle Schwerber, 145th, Nick Anderson, James Paxton, who we'll, we'll remove him from this discussion, Jorge Polanco, Julio Arias, Elvis Andrews, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Robbie Ray, Justin Turner, Gavin Lux, Will Smith, the catcher, and Edwin Encarnacion. Again, the 12 here are Schwarber, Nick Anderson, closer for the Rays, James Paxton, Jorge Polanco, Julio Arias, Elvis Andrews, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Robbie Ray, Justin Turner, Gavin Lux, Will Smith of the Dodgers, and Edwin Encarnacion. Chris, what's the what's the best pick here?
1: Oh, I, I think it's Julio Arias. Uh, I guess this changed from when I wrote my column because my two favorite picks in the 13th round were David Price and Julio Arias. Uh, David Price, I guess, moved up one pick since then. But that's just a reminder that uh, draft the Dodgers starting rotation. You can invest a second rounder in Walker Buehler, a third or fourth rounder in Clayton Kershaw. You don't have to take another one of them until the 12th round. You take David Price, Julio Arias. You spend a couple late round picks on Ross Stripling and Alex Wood and Dustin May. You got yourself a pretty good rotation, or at least Why? the core of a pretty good rotation. Why do you have to do that? You're just you don't have your to. options. You can make you a better rotation. Scott, just... you don't you don't have to do that. But last season, the Dodgers starting rotation had like a 3.02 ERA, a 1.1 WHIP, 9.6 K per nine. They're really, really good. And aren't aren't you limiting your innings potential that way too? Right, I'm not saying and, and those are the only pitchers. I'm not saying those are the only pitchers you draft, Scott. So your ju- your your whole
3: point is just Dodgers pitchers are good.
1: Yeah, but also that they're, I think, relatively undervalued, and you can get the most out of guys like Arias, guys like Price, guys like Wood, if you also have their, reser- their backups, because their backups are also really good. That's a lot of... Rosters. Yeah, you're gonna like be dropping are, those
2: guys. You're gonna be dropping those backup pitchers yeah. to pick up other players. You'll never fully you're commit. Be dropping you are. Chris
3: doesn't manage his teams in season. <laughs>
0: y- yeah. You're
2: like this is a. I don't know. <laughs> you gotta have a lot of bench spots to do this. You're not gonna just keep dead weight on your bench. Um, but the point.
0: Is- is that there's, well, the point that I took away is just that there's a lot of good value, that like there are good pitchers on the Dodgers sort of spread throughout the entire draft. Yeah. So even if you're not just drafting those guys, you can think, all right, basically everybody in the Dodgers rotation is like a potential target as good value where they're going. Well, yeah, what well, she and, and says and I that say, I like that, yeah.
1: David Price, through his first 17 starts, had a 316 ERA, was on pace for over 200 strikeouts, That was right around when things started going off the rails. And if you look at it on Baseball Reference and you look at the game log, he was only averaging about five innings per start. But one of those, I think, was there was something stupid with the Red Sox where he threw at someone, got ejected in the first inning, and they had like a a beef running with someone. And then he had another one where he was pulled after two outs because uh, he was hurt somehow. So if you take those two starts out, he was actually averaging over six innings per start.
2: Okay, so how about Ellen? What's the worst pick of, of this round?
0: Oh, I don't get to... Do I get to choose the best pick sure. as well? Or yeah, just yeah,
2: sure. What's your? What are your best and worst picks?
0: Okay, so I'm also excited about Urias, but Polanco is a player that I love that I decided to say for this section. Oh. I love Jorge Polanco, and I want to clap while I say it, except for I don't know what that would do to the mic. Go for it. Um, let's, let's find out. I love Jorge Polanco. <laughs> that was good. Yes. It worked. No problem. Um, So granted, he doesn't have the track record, but in terms of what we maybe project for him for this season, he's not that far off from Marcus Simeon, whom I also love, but you're getting him like what, like 70 picks later. Um, he may not have quite as much upside, but that is totally overshadowed by the discount in my opinion. Um, It's totally possible that there could be a little bit of regression from what we saw last year, but his performance feels to me like a real skills change. So he used to be more of a slap hitter, but last year he increased his fly ball rate by about 7% and his hard contact rate by almost 8% while also walking more and striking out less. Like nothing says skills change like that. It's exciting to me. Um, The only thing to note is that I uh, wouldn't count on him anymore for anything more than a like, hey, surprise, he stole a base type, um, which is too bad. Um, And his offseason ankle surgery might make him even more hesitant there. I still just think he's a really good value going where he is in the draft right here. So
3: I, I know this ADP is is Roto, but people complain a lot that we don't talk about points leagues enough. Jorge Polanco, he tends to go about as late in both of the formats. He averaged more head to head points per game last year than Glaber Torres. who, of course we, we talk about how router. he goes too early, but that that kind of kind of uh, puts it in perspective just how yeah, he's good too late Polanco's
2: going. A lot of doubles and trip forty doubles, seven triples. That he, Jorge Polanco sort of how many of you guys feel this? Reminds me a little bit of Michael Brantley before Brantley had that breakout season a lot of like because a lot of doubles some triples and then in his age 27 season and Polanco's 26 years old Brantley went from a 728 OPS to an 890 OPS um, and I did feel like uh, I, I just passed up Polanco in that 14 team points league that we're doing a slow draft for and I I feel like I might regret it, it
1: more so in a points league than a roto league he's got a pretty safe profile there you know what this makes me think Draft what? all the Dodgers, Dodgers starting pitchers, yeah. and, if, and just draft the Twins yeah. lineup.
2: Yeah. Well, that's th- I've brought that up though too. Like that—that's what scares me a little bit about Polanco and all the Twins is I just think that they cheated. They cheated last year. It's not going to work <laughs> again. It was just ridiculous. Whatever happened in Minnesota was just ridiculous. Every well, they, single player was, had a career year. It was ridiculous. It
1: was a a conscious change that the coaching staff cheat. instilled in them to to pull the ball more and. But the the biggest thing for me is just it's another one where this is probably going to be the best lineup in baseball. If it's not, it probably won't be much worse than third or fourth. None of them are going in the first four rounds on average. Only five of them are going in the top. Oh, only three of them are going in the top 100. It just feels like actually none of them are going inside the top seven rounds or the top six rounds, excuse me.
2: Interesting.
3: Did, did they lead the majors in runs last year? I know they set a home run record.
2: I think the Yankees did.
3: Yeah. Somebody I I still think of the Yankees lineup is better, but
2: guys, I want to I want to move on here. Uh okay. did you give the worst pick Alan, or just just your favorite?
0: I I did not. Okay, um, worst pick. But I'm happy to. Um so Nick Anderson here is a little too rich for my blood, but my main don't want at this value is Gavin Lux. Um roster resource has him in a platoon. And Dave Roberts hadn't named him the starter yet at the point where we were in spring training, um, despite specifically naming Will Smith at catcher and the outfield platoon of Peterson and Pollock. Um, I had read this piece on hang on, I have uh, by Blake Harris on the Dodgers SB Nation site um, that thought that Lux could potentially even begin the season in the minors if they want him to get more work on facing left handed pitching, which he struggles against. So, yeah, I I just if I'm taking Lux, it has to be way later than this.
1: He's been really bad against lefties in his career. Last season was the lone exception. He had like an 840 OPS in the minors, but that was with a up over 400 against them, and he still struck out like 32% of the time against lefties. So it's very much an open question whether he can play every day.
2: Okay, let's go to the next round. This would be round 14. Pick 157, Hansel, Ro- Hansel Robles, Mike Miner, Matthew Boyd, Salvador Perez, Alex Colome. Sean Manaya, Kyle Tucker, Wilson Ramos. Crap, I lost my place. Oh, Archie Bradley, Hunter Dozier, the other Will Smith for the Braves, and Carlos Martinez. So we got Hansel Robles, Mike Miner, Matt Boyd, Salvador Perez, Alex Colomé, Sean Manaya, Kyle Tucker, Wilson Ramos, Archie Bradley, Hunter Dozier, Will Smith, and Carlos Martinez. And this Will Smith is from the Braves. Ellen, I will, I will just have you answer. What are the, what are the best and worst picks?
0: Um, so I actually like both Matt Boyd and Mike Minor here. Um, Matt Boyd obviously had a problem with homers last year. I mean everybody did, but he especially did. Um, but if you're looking for strikeout upside, I'd rather get it here over Robbie Ray, who's going earlier, just because Boyd isn't gonna kill your whip. Um, and over the off season, uh, one of the reasons that I am interested in Boyd is he was working on his curveball and it was looking pretty good in spring training. So if he can increase its effectiveness and add it to the really good slider that he has, that could make him even better than he was last year, potentially. Um and I also really love minor partly that's because he's going a little later in some other places I've seen than this and that makes him a better value but I think he's a fair pick in this round. I think people aren't necessarily buying what he did last year, but he was also great in the second half of 2018 too he had a, a 297 era and just a 267 uh, woba against um, in the second half. So I think that yeah I think he's a, I think he's a good pick. Um, and then, who I'm not taking in this round is Will Smith. I'm just not out here in this round taking pictures who are not named the closer.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, it's a little curious. Yeah.
3: yeah, that seemed like an obvious overpay there. Uh, even even if you believe, even if you believe he will be the Braves closer eventually, uh, I I don't know. I don't know how you can be that sure. To be perfectly honest, Mark Melanson was pretty good in the second half last year.
2: Yeah, I mean, not Will well, Smith. He, good, but he's really good, Will Smith. So you could at least use him, even if yeah. he's not closing, I guess. But still, I mean, I, 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 by the way, I really like Archie Bradley. I, I don't know if I've talked about this or not. I can't remember all the things we've talked about, but I think that um, he, you know, he's been streaky. He sometimes is like the best reliever in the world, and sometimes he's pretty bad. Uh, but if he can get some consistency, I just don't see anyone taking his job. And I think the Dimebacks would be pretty good. I mean, look, he could be bad enough where he, he would have to like really he would have to really struggle to lose it, but I I like Archie Bradley considerably more than Will Smith at this juncture. And they're going like back to back, so.
0: Yeah, and I'd actually I also like Archie Bradley. I just drafted him on Sunday, but uh, I would also actually rather have um, Hansel Robles and Alex Galame in this place rather than Smith. Okay.
2: And let's do uh, one last round then. 12 more picks here. Round 15 in a 12-team league. We go Ahmed Rosario, Jose Leclerc, Kenta Maeda, Malik Smith, J.D. Davis, Jake Odorizzi, Yasiel Puig, Masahiro Tanaka, Byron Buxton, Chris Davis, with a, with a K, Willie Calhoun, and Erman Marquez. Ahmed Rosario, Jose Leclerc, Kenta Maeda, Malik Smith, J.D. Davis, Jake Odorizzi, Yasiel Puig, Masahiro Tanaka, Byron Buxton, Chris Davis, Willie Calhoun, Armand Marquez, Ellen, our guest of honor, the best and the worst here.
0: Um, I I feel like I'm monopolizing all of the talking time and that is not good for the listeners. Sorry. Um, so uh, I think that Byron Buxton and Kavis Davis are good value here. Um, but I feel like they've always gone earlier in drafts that I've been in. So the person that I'm most likely to take here is uh, Kenta Maeda. I've actually taken him in 100% of the drafts that I've already done. That's only two. Oh, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm obviously I'm I'm leaving aside your your dynasty. lead, yeah. um, yeah. Scott. Um, so I love Maeda because I've been optimistic that the twins aren't going to manipulate his contract as much. I feel like they need guys to pitch and it's quite likely in a shortened season that not even the twins are going to be worried about triggering any of those clauses in his contract anyway. Um, and even if this shortened season means that we see Rich Hill earlier, they still really are going to need, um, Maeda to pitch because right now they've just got a sort of a mystery box as their fifth starter. Um, so I think it was, uh, on, on the sleeper and the bust. I'm sorry. I, um, don't always remember exactly where I heard something, but I think it was there that they were talking about how the Dodgers sometimes removed Maeda after just two times through the order also as a way of managing his innings, not necessarily because he has some sort of huge third time through the order penalty. So if the Twins don't do that, we could also get sort of more upside from Maeda start per start as well. Um. Any, anybody? Then, oh, sorry, I'll, I'll
2: let Chris and Scott jump in there. Any arguments against Kenta Maeda?
1: None for me. I think I, he's really good. Why aren't yeah, his
3: numbers better? Why, why aren't his there? numbers not better? Like we we don't know exactly how the Twins are going to handle him. I happen to agree with Ellen's take on this that uh, they need him to throw more innings than the Dodgers did, and he was always he was always good. The third time through the lineup compared to the average pitcher. So there was really no good reason that I saw for them suppressing his innings except for the the clause in his contract that mm-hmm. would keep the money down. But, so but,
2: I mean, I feel like I've had this argument and I like Kentamaeda, so I just can't wrap my head around this. 348 ERA in 2016. That was a great year for him. 2017, 422 ERA. 2018, 381 ERA. Kentamaeda in 2019, 404 ERA. So over the last three years it's right around four. And that's Chris Archer. And well,
3: you're we talking about when Chris Archer was good, when he was considered. No, good? No, I'm
2: talking about when I kept telling you how Chris Archer wasn't that good, and you guys were arguing with me for two years. Good. And he
3: but wasn't he was good before that. No, he wasn't good. All right, a couple a couple differences here. One, Kenta Maeda doesn't struggle with walks, so the whip is there's no comparison. The whip is better, even, yeah. even when the even when Archer was good. Um, but. Uh, I mean, just because he's a high threes ERA guy, if he's, you know, 10 strikeouts per nine and winning a lot of games with the Twins lineup backing him and the Twins' bullpen, which is also incredible, I don't think, I, I think people are sleeping on just how good the Twins' bullpen is. Uh, Yeah, I don't, I, I, I'm i not so worried about the ERA. I think he makes up for it in other ways, which I guess is what I used to say about Archer too, but <laughs> right. that was before Archer took a turn for the worse. But Archer, also, Archer he, never going, won
1: more than 12 games, I think, in his career. Yeah. Kenton May is going 171st overall. Chris Archer used to be like a top forty, top fifty pick. Sure. That too.
2: Maybe once he won more than that. Now I have to look that up. Okay. And by the way, the twins are gonna be really good. I re- they're like I'm scared of them. I cannot wait for the Yankees to knock them out of the playoffs. Ellen, who's the worst pick of round fifteen?
0: I don't, I don't know about worst pick, but I'm probably not taking Puig. I'm just not going to take a guy who's not on a team here. Um, we saw guys go pretty deep into the season before signing last year. And in a shortened season, that could be an even larger percentage of the season that he's just sort of taking up a roster spot for you if nobody signs him. Um, I mean, maybe somebody will sign him before the season starts and then we'll know about that before we're drafting if you're in a league that hasn't, uh, drafted already. But, um, So I don't know. That makes me sad because I feel like Puig the player would be a great value here if he had a team. So I'll just chip in also uh, Jose Leclerc. Um, I just I had him last year and he was just maddening to no end. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not saying I would never, never take him. I just would want a better discount than this. It's not just that he was taken in and out of the closer role. It's the fact that he was just not very good when he got back. He had a four point 2.9 2.9 era and a 1.48 whip as the closer at the end of the year like yikes i'll just i'll take ian kennedy instead
2: hmm. i think scott likes jose leclerc am i right
3: oh i did last year but i was wrong <laughs> i was wrong you know i'll i'll bring this up because i don't know if it's up on the site yet did My is my stats column up on the site yet chris i'm i'm not sure 48 48 stats that are amazing basically, is what the column is. And one of them is that Brandon Workman, actually, who walked more than five batters per nine innings, he had the second lowest batting average against for any relief pitcher ever, which is kind of a bad thing, right? If he's walking that many hitters and he has this historically low batting average against, that's that's kind of dangerous for Brandon Workman's outlook. Well, third on that list was actually Jose LeClerc, in 2018 and the same sort of issue, a lot of walks, but he had such a low BAPIP that, uh, he was able to get away with it. And, uh, obviously that it not last into a second season. Now I-, I think there's upside. He misses a lot of bats. Leclerc does, but, um, you know, he's going to have to have better control and, uh, not at all a safe closer one. You might, one, I might take late just because he goes late, but he's not safe.
2: Okay. Well, that's a good show. We got one more thing to talk about here. Ellen, Adopt a Minor Leaguer. Tell us about it.
0: Yeah, so I just learned this week about this organization called Adopt a Minor League Player, and you can find them on Twitter at at AdoptMilbPlayer. So obviously, as I'm sure that everybody who listens to this podcast knows, things are always really tough for minor leaguers. They just get paid ridiculously low wages and it's only during the season so a lot of them have to get jobs during the off-season while they try to maintain their regimen at the same time. Anyway, it's particularly hard for them right now um, because I don't know if uh, MLB is actually paying their, like, whatever $200 a week. Um, they Something came out um, uh, about them. Sorry, my dog is very concerned about something if you heard that noise. Um, uh. <laughs> Oh yes. Oh yeah. Very she's, concerned. She's yes, she's making her entrance There's into the intruder. podcast. Yes. Um so anyway, uh MLB has said that they're going to be paying them their per diem, which I think is like twenty five dollars a day or something. So this organization um, connects you with a minor league player in your chosen franchise and you can chat with them. And the point is for you to just send them little care packages of whatever they might need, like protein bars or beef jerky or whatever. Um, so I know it's a tough time financially for everybody. Like I have no idea when I will ever make money doing anything ever again, either in my industry or at my day job. But, um, my husband and I decided to quote, adopt a player. And we got connected with Tyler Birch, who is an awesome pitcher in the Phillies organization. He thinks he'll be pitching for the uh, class, a liquid blue Claws this season, if all goes as planned. So anyway, anyone who's interested, or even if you can't sponsor someone, but you want to share the organization with your baseball loving friends who might want to, uh, you can find them again. That's at adopt M I L B player on Twitter.
2: That's awesome. Thank you. And it was yeah. great. Having Thanks you. for letting me talk about it. Hey. Wait, 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 the poem, the poem, Adam. the poem. Oh, The poem.
0: (laughs) The poem. Hang on. Let me find it.
3: Okay. About to say goodbyes.
0: Yes. Okay. So this, it's, it's, I'm kind of cheating. It's about Matt Chapman and Matt Olson, but here it is. Matt Chapman came down like a wolf on the fold and his cohorts were gleaming in emerald and gold. And the sheen of his defense was like stars on the sea when he ranged out and caught it for a play. Five, four, three. Like the leaves of the forest when summer is green, the flash of Matt Olson's bold defense is seen as he picks any throw that hurdles towards first or snags glove-side grounders that spin in the dirt. That that's great. That's
2: great. Cool about beautiful. Wow. Love the A's. <laughs> and athletics. You wax poetic oh, about the A's.
0: The corner infield mats, they're just so dreamy.
2: Is there, <laughs> wait, was there a title to that?
0: <laughs> um... I can't mats. remember if I had a title. It's it, so. In full disclosure, this is I was writing sort of a bunch of baseball poems, and they're all kind of like riffs on poems that already exist. So this is a riff on Byron's uh, "The Destruction of Sinatraib. Um and I don't remember if I had. Uh, I don't remember if I had a title for it or not. Anyway, you, it's up it's up there on Twitter. If I had a title, it's on Twitter. You can find it. I don't know how yeah. I've, I wonder if I've done
2: 1000 podcast episodes. I probably have between all the shows. Yeah, I must have. Um, yeah, we average like 150 a year, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm probably close to 2000. I, I don't know. I've never felt so ignorant on a sh- on one episode as I do today. All of the poetry, all of the cultural things that have been referenced today
1: I I, I will say I don't I'm, know any of it. It shouldn't be the first time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's this, this, this not the first time I've felt ignorant. It's I've never felt this ignorant. Ah. Yeah. It's the worst degrees. Time. Ellen, thank you so much. We'll talk, I think to you're uh, perfect, Adam. We'll talk to you in August in uh, spring training. <laughs> and I heard no. that. Thank you very much. I appreciate
0: that. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. How can we follow you? Oh, um at Ellen underscore Adair on Twitter. Cool. And how can we follow your dog? Does she have a Twitter handle? Um, she, she doesn't. Um, but my husband posts a lot of pictures of her. Um, he's on, uh, Instagram, I think at Eric Gildy, G I L D E. I post the occasional picture of her as well on Instagram. I'm Ellen Adair G on, on Instagram, but yeah, my husband's Twitter account is her like or not Twitter Instagram. My husband's Instagram account is her unofficial Instagram account. Gotcha.
2: All right, Ellen. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it as always.
0: You guys are the best.
2: For Ellen Adair and Scott White and Chris Towers, I am Adam Azor and we will talk to you tomorrow
1: on Fantasy.